0: People first organizations
1: will win in the future of work. The only real asset is your people. We, we all want, want purpose in work. HR-led organization is.
0: I'm sorry, but leaders don't need empty desks and empty shop floors.
1: Welcome to the People Strategy Leaders Show. I'm your host, Shri Chalapa, founder and president of Engagedly, and a serial entrepreneur in technology, films, and music. This is where we talk to people leaders, business strategists, and organizational savants about leading in the time of change. What is working, what is not working, and more importantly, what we should be thinking about. Stick around to the end of the show. We will reveal how you can be our next guest. And now, let's engage. Hello again, this is Sri Chalapa with People's Strategy Leaders Podcast. And today, I am joined by Tony Skira. Tony is a co-founder and chief people officer of Refocus HR Solutions. Tony and his team help companies leaders build organizational and social architecture for optimal people experiences and performance. With over 20 years of human capital strategy and change leadership experience, Tony brings a depth of insight and expertise to people experience design and business transformation. Earlier in his career, Tony pioneered holistic people engagement surveying, Utilizing a mix of quantitative and qualitative data to gain insights into company culture and human performance. Following several chief people officer assignments in the past decade, Tony launched Refocus to address the market demand for integrated people and culture solutions that are practical and sustainable. Well, welcome to the show, Tony. It's an honor to have you.
0: Lovely. No, nice to be here. Thank you for the invite. Been an yeah, interesting absolutely. couple of weeks.
1: It has been interesting, you know, few weeks actually. And HR is challenged like never before. And I, and I talk about it Agreed. quite a bit, you know, quite a bit in our, um, in my own journaling that I do on LinkedIn or mm-hmm. on my podcast and other places yeah. as well. But you talk about a completely New way HR should start looking at things. And you call it the HR leadership 4.0, designing the organizational architecture of the future. You know, what do you mean by that? Can you explain the Sure. Topics?
0: Yeah, sure thing. I'll just give a little bit of context. I think when when I look back and I look at the evolution of HR, I mean there's uh, there's a little bit of a, you know, there's a little bit of a of a history here, you know, that hopefully I won't get into much detail, but really HR kind of took off post-war and second world war with a sort of formal sort of approach to people management. Uh, it became a lot more, I would say, sophisticated later on in the, in the 70s and 80s. And then I would say around late 80s or so, I would call that the 2.0, when I think business school started to look a little bit more closely at HR, looking at HR as a value driver as part of the whole sort of corporate, corporate uh, functions. And I would say just at around before year 2000, you know, that's when I think kind of HR started getting into the 3.0 version, which I think it became a lot more interested and a lot more focused on digitization and and helping companies get to that next level of performance. And HR itself also became, you know, part of that, part of that whole uh, process of digitization. And for me, the 4.0, I think we're kind of in that era right now. Uh, and, and and right now, I would say the precursor to that was COVID. How HR had to really pivot to become kind of the sort of anchor, I would say, function in companies as we tried to experience and do work in a very different way than we ever thought possible. And uh, you know, for me, what I see now post COVID is really now the dawn of a new sort of era with machine learning and AI. And I really think it's an opportunity now for HR leaders to collaborate with the executive suite to really fundamentally look at what kind of architecture does the company need, what kind of teams, what kind of capabilities can really support the business to win in the market. And my sense is that HR folks, maybe I'm a little bit biased here, but I think they're in a good position to really support that. That kind of uh, you know, it's kind of a next wave of, of you know, kind of organizational design, I would say. And it seems to be that right now we're still in that sort of learning and exploratory stage. But I believe fundamentally that HR people and leaders can really, really drive that process of, of the next evolution of organizational architecture.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's a really good point, because all these changes that we've seen in the last three years since the COVID, um, and then there was a great resignation. Then there are people, mm-hmm. who come, you know, come back to work or don't come back to work, be remote, yep. or I'll quit if you are asking me to come back to work. And now you have AI. Oh, it's going to take my job away, or right? Or, so there's all these changes in a relatively really short amount of time, right? Compressed has happened, this. where it's put so much emphasis having a strong HR leadership in place. Absolutely. And I, and I don't think HR has been challenged so much as in the last three years, ad has as ever before. You know.
0: Yeah, and, I, I I would agree with you. I mean, that's and, and that's why I'm thinking, you know, in my the way I look at the arc of history here for HR, it really is a new era for, for HR.
1: Yeah. So, you know, there are you know, one of the things that I talk about sometimes in my in my uh, thought process that I talk about uh, in other shows and stuff is there's organizations that are sales led, there are organizations that are brand led, there's organizations that are, mm-hmm. are product led or services led. You know, I, we haven't really talked about organizations that are hr-led you know and i think we are going to start seeing more and more of hr-led organizations where people practices are driving mm-hmm. organizational strategy yes uh, in some ways so and you said you and you said in our discussion before this um uh, mm-hmm. before we were chatting about how you think hr should be in the driver's seat and that to me it it's it's the same in the same mm-hmm. vein. HR led organizations so can you can you explain that a little bit more on what that sure. means and what HR should be doing no really good
0: really good points i mean i've been privileged uh sri that i've been able to work in all kinds of different industry segments and scale of companies anywhere from like 20000 employee plus to like 50 employee or less startups and my sort of my joy in hr really is helping leaders figure out uh, what do they want? What do they want in their culture, and what do they want have, to have as an experience for their people? That's going to really help them drive a great uh, customer experience and great and great and great uh, growth and development in, in the market. For me, the the whole the whole conversation about HR leadership, I'm I, I'm a little bit older, I guess, you know, so I've been around a bit, so I know that there's been conversations now for 20 plus years about the strategic value of HR. Uh, I think. Post-COVID, I think, or during COVID, actually, we saw that that answer, I mean, that question was answered fully in my view. Uh, Obviously, now we're in a stage where we're kind of feeling out what does post-pandemic organizational life look like? Uh, All the surveys out there seem to suggest that work from home is really a preference. Uh, And though, you know, I've been debating back and forth with a lot of colleagues on LinkedIn and other platforms that the decision of how companies work or, or organize is really best nested within the executive team and the leadership, and obviously with the people at some point, because they have to really drive performance and execution of what their strategy and deliverables are. And I still, I, I see the same tensions now and the tensions now is how can we make a place uh, you know, uh, that we're gonna call a company that's gonna be compelling for talent, but also how are we going to do it now with the introduction, a little bit more broad scale of machine learning and, and AI? I mean, I've worked in advanced manufacturing segments where that's been going on now for 20 plus years. And so we've had to learn from the HR, how does the role change? How is the skill set different where you have a lot more uh, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning? And these are gradual things. But right now, with the more wholesale adoption of seems like AI platforms and the maturity of them, I think there's going to be fundamentally a lot of companies, especially ones that rely on uh, a lot of uh, intelligence and data and creative process, I think those are going to be the companies that are going to look for opportunities to to better equip their teams using these platforms. And I don't know what the future is going to be. As you mentioned, there could be potential job dislocation or job loss. But the way I'm looking at it is almost like there's going to be a realignment. And, And what I'm suggesting is HR leaders should be at the forefront of that. Because I think the introduction of these kind of technologies are going to shape the workflow. They're going to shape how people interact with technology. And more importantly, how do they deliver service? Uh, There was an interview this week with the CEO of of IBM, uh, you know, and and he was talking about already they've been starting to deploy platforms. And where they're seeing the most, uh, I guess, uh, positive sort of application of this is in backend functions, backend functions, you know, including things like HR and finance. So I'm I'm thinking there's going to be a lot more around that, but I really want, you know, my view, HR to be at the helm of this conversation to talk about how to deploy these things in a responsible manner, but also in a way that's going to bring a lot more, I would say, you know, productivity, but also a lot more joy. As you probably know, and you've been around for a while as well in the HR space, some jobs are just, you know, could be mundane, repetitive, boring. I think there's an opportunity to really enrich roles and responsibilities, and look at really the skill and the skill set of the future. And this is where I think HR leadership can really be driving this.
1: Yeah, you know, I was I was I was looking at this uh, news article that came out a couple of days ago. I don't know if it was a couple of days ago or a week ago, but I read it a couple of days ago. Uh, Wendy's mm-hmm. you know, has an AI bot now taking your orders. Uh, mm-hmm. They they they're debuting it. They're testing it in the Columbus, Ohio market, which is right. Where, they do a lot of these fast food testing sites. Uh, I don't think this is even a question of whether this is going to be the case. I think right. it, it is going to be. It's a question of it's going to be the case. Right? Is it going to yeah. be this year or is it going to be next year? McDonald's yeah. is doing that in uh, in Dallas area right now. Yep. Um Where you have such fast response times from AI now that you can actually feel like you're talking to a human being, mm-hmm. placing that burger order Agreed. or complaining complaining about your cable bill or yes. Or any of those issues, which that means hundreds and hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of contact center and order taking jobs, if you will, mm-hmm. are right. at risk. Are at risk. And that's an HR problem mm-hmm. to solve. It is. It it, is. It, it's because not, you, as an HR, your responsibility is not just to the company's profitability and bottom line, your mm-hmm. responsibility is also the people that you that you are under the purview that are under your purview. So if you are yeah. working at AT&T or Comcast or any of these large telecom companies, or if you're working you know, at Wendy's or McDonald's mm-hmm. or Taco Bell or whatever, and you have now hundreds, if not millions of these employees whose jobs are at risk, um, and it's going to cause un- social unrest. There's going to be all kinds of issues that are going to sure. within the company itself. And there, so HR being the driver's seat is very important in mm-hmm. those contexts, because now we are seeing job dis- dislocation, as you said, really, right. really imminent in the next yes. 12 to 18 months, but no later than three to five years.
0: Yeah, and and the responsibility is broader than maybe HR in the past has had. But there are companies that I've worked with where we've collaborated with other uh, companies within a community sort of uh, uh, context to help drive you know better opportunities for people. So I've been especially in smaller communities that rely on you know a very specific skill set. There's often great collaborations, and you also see that with academic institutions. But I think there are going to be more sort of uh, of these of these sort of changes that we have to try to figure out in a way that's going to obviously serve, you know, the customer. And of of course there's, there's, there's good business sense to try to keep a community engaged and involved in that change process. But ultimately, you know, if we can determine what's going to be that, that sort of right mix of how to bring in new technology, that's going to help make jobs better, more enriched. And then we're going to obviously see some impact and, you know, just as a little exercise, I, I've done a few times, I've gone on ChatGPT and some other platforms and said, you know, what is the impact of, you know, wide scale adoption of AI, right? <laughs> and, and one of the biggest issues, there's is obviously impact to jobs, workflows, productivity. And, you know, and, and where I think we have to come from as HR leaders and even business leaders for that matter, is how do we do this in a way that's going to get the best out of our people and it's going to be, the you know, the best optimal sort of approach for humanity. ultimately. People are part of the business, you know. No matter where you are, I mean, and, and I remember when I was doing my masters, you know, twenty plus years ago, there was visions that you know there would be companies with like four or five people in them, right? <laughs> that hasn't been the case. In fact, what we've seen is a whole now uh, hierarchy of more and different complex jobs to support digitization and new ways of doing business. And so, I think now we're kind of at that dawn of that new era. And I believe if we have, if we put in front, in the front and center that we're trying to improve the culture, we're trying to improve the employee experience and the people experience, and also trying to improve improve the bottom line and the customer experience. I think that's a really great starting point. And you probably know, Sri, there's companies that operate out of Europe and already now facing uh, essentially, which which is a European Union approach to understanding AI impacts, not only in workplaces, but in society. They're probably a little bit ahead of the curve, but I think it's very instructive for us to see what's happening there because I think they obviously take a little bit more of a different uh, kind of approach to try to shape conditions uh, and also to have a little bit more collaboration with employees and stakeholders. And I'd like to see obviously more of that as well uh, in, in in North America. Uh, and so that's where my sense is that this is a really good opportunity for HR to step into that place.
1: Yeah, I think one of the big impacts, as you mentioned, uh, you know, HR has to play a big role, but one of the big impacts because of all this change mm-hmm. is, that they really have to double down on learning and development, yes, and upskilling their workers because yes. if you were, I'm going to go back to this contact center, a uh, call center, or uh, mm-hmm. order taker jobs. You basically have a time window of 18 months to reskill yourself mm-hmm. to do something more. And I don't know what that more is or different right. is, but yes. that's for I guess AT and T and Comcast yes. and Wendy to figure it out. But, but there is more. Um, there is something that they have to do very quickly on that. And who plays a role in that? HR, right? Yeah. And, yeah, and, and, that,
0: and the part of me, uh, you know, and when I, when, I, when I have these conversations with colleagues and business leaders, I'm not saying that HR is going to figure it out by themselves. I'm saying HR should be kind of the catalyst and the driver of this because the impact is not necessarily just to the, you know, productivity side of the business, but really it's going to be ultimately the way they're organized as a company. And yes. And I believe what they're going to do is hopefully be a broker for uh, for essentially bringing the best options forward and trying to implement those because where there are you know restructurings or realignments you're going to have to do that and I'm a big believer we do that with care with care consideration and compassion people we're all we we've all I'm a worker we've all been workers we have friends colleagues, family we ultimately want to do what's good for them as well obviously as we serve a company but in my view, this is where if we take that collaboration approach, if we involve people as well, I think that's going to be the best approach as well. I think you're going to get a better adoption and you're going to get better utilization of whatever technology you have. And Sri, I've had experience doing you know, implementation of ERPs and any major platform. And you know that it's very, very difficult to make that change happen unless you have the full kind of not only buy-in, but really participation of people that are going to be impacted.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think about the culture too, you know, if a Mm -hmm. CEO is thinking, okay, I've got these 700 people in my call center in Alabama. I can automate them. That'll save me a lot of money. Yeah, I can do that as a CEO. Now, or as a ops person, Mm -hmm. I can do that. But an HR mindset would say, yes, I can do that. But what is the impact on them? We have to think about that. Yep. Uh, but also a broader collateral damage is on your culture. Exactly. Th- there's this other ten thousand people who are going to be thinking, okay, now we just let go of seven hundred people with very little notice, mm-hmm. and we didn't even attempt to retrain them or bring mm-hmm. new, new aspects of new work to them, right. and we just treated them numbers on a spreadsheet. That's why I and I keep going back to HR led organizations would yes. think differently about this rather than yes. a profit led organization. Right. And
0: and ultimately, I mean, the, the company has to do a risk analysis and understand what it's going to do to try to continue to win in the marketplace. So that to me is fundamental. Obviously, there's other companies that don't have to worry about profit, but still, you're going to see, I mean, here I'm referring to, you know, public sector for not for profits, but still, you got to think of how to best leverage the technology, not only for, for you know, the productivity, but so that people can actually be at their best and, and you know, and really perform at their best. And, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of history here, you know, 20, 30 years of applied research and, and things you know, in a in a field of study that I spend a lot of time in called human factors. And that really is kind of the precursor, you know, of really this whole integration of technology and people. But if you look at a company holistically, you're right, uh, Shri, there's opportunities to upgrade the skill set and to have a kind of a career pathing that's going to be a little bit different. It's going to take a little bit more time, but I believe if you make rash decisions and you look at trying to make cuts. For the sake of trying to gain short-term productivity one it hurts your culture 2 you're also going to have an impact on the people that are there left in the company and also in terms of your brand so what i'm hoping and what i'm really this is why i'm urging you know hr leaders to have these conversations because we ultimately will go through some ups and downs but at the end of the day we want to come out of this period where we think we've designed better better architecture for companies we've designed better experiences because they ultimately also translate to people And it's probably instructive to look back at what banks did years ago, Sri, when they started to go to the ATM route. And what I saw was a huge adoption of the ATM. But then there was a bit of a bit of a kind of a pendulum swing the other way, because the customer experience was not as as had been planned. And then you saw companies that started to have a say in, you know, the kind of experiences they want to have in banking with their customers. And that meant now trying to having more of a personal touch. So retail banking you know you're going to get you're going to get online you're going to get a hybrid you're going to get some person to person face to face i think that's the future and when i look at you know that example for you know for as a case study i think there's plenty there for us to learn from and and with hr leaders you know engaging the rest of the leadership team critically you know to assess what the impacts could be but then make choices that are better for culture the people and the long-term sustainability of the company because i think cuts mass mass whatever we want to call it disruptions like that are going to be very adverse to the culture and also the community and the and the stability you know of obviously of employment but you know and so for me I always look at that you know that opportunity that companies had 20 years ago and some of them did it really well they eased into digitization and they started to complement services and supports and even for example customer care I've worked a lot in customer care environments there's a way to do this, I think, so that those jobs can be more enriched. In fact, you know, it could become in one company I did some work with. Customer care became really the starting point for a, for a career that can broaden into either sales, product management. Uh, and so I think that's if we start thinking like that and we start thinking from a skill kind of perspective, I think we'll have a better way of looking at the people side of this whole impact of with, with AI adoption.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at, you know, I'm thinking about when was this large, big disruption that happened was during the digitization of the 90s, right? Yes. Um, where things were moving to computers and then computer eventually moving to the cloud. But also the 90s was a time where a lot of outsourcing was also mm-hmm. happening as well. So right. So a lot of disruption right. in, in the call centers, contact centers, again, yes. in that case. Yes, uh, good point. Or, or, or maintenance type of work, uh, things were getting outsourced. That was a lot of disruption and some companies did it well and some companies did mm-hmm. it horribly you know yes. and there were there were a lot of horror stories of how mm-hmm. you know somebody had to go to fly to china or india or someplace to train their replacement mm-hmm. and then come back and fire themselves right yes um there were all these bad stories and good stories that floated around and i think hopefully we can learn the lesson from that, those right. mistakes in the 90s yes and apply them in the 2020s to be a little bit more thoughtful and a bit more human centered uh, which uh, i believe Be a lot more human-centered now than we were in the 90s as an organization. Yes, we we are,
0: and I think if we keep that focus, that you know, you'll obviously get challenges from people and even business schools. And but I think it's becoming a bit more broadly accepted that companies do more than just make profit. You know, they try to make the they try to make the experience for customers better. They try to solve the pain point, and ultimately, they also try to make you know the community that they that they operate better. And you know, so you know, you've heard of things like ESG, right? To me. Uh, this is really now, uh, you know, the AI adoption is kind of right now, I think, a core issue, especially for companies that are starting to really profile the kinds of things they're doing in an environment, you know, social responsibility and in governance. And I think there's an opportunity here where companies can say, you know, we've thought about all these different approaches and we think we're going to get the best out of, out of these new platforms, but we're also going to get the best of our, out of our teams. And, you know, I mean, companies can decide to do things one way or another. If you travel around the world, you'll see in places like, for example, in Japan, where they have a ton of automation in food service, right? And they do it with such craft and wizardry. But I mean, I look at something like that, and I think there's a huge ecosystem of talent to support that. So that's why I believe there's kind of an upside here that as the technology changes, as we get more opportunities to see what can be done, we will start also to create other kinds of roles and other kinds of skill sets to support what what this new ecosystem is going to look like.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think we'll always have jobs of some sort mm-hmm. because we'll yes. we'll just do more with less, yes. right? Yeah. I mean, what you know, less than two percent of the U.S. population is engaged in farming. Mm. And, and that was not the case, you know, eighteen, ninety years ago, it was the right. you know, forty, fifty percent. And I Correct. I, I yeah. use this example a lot to say that doesn't mean now we have forty percent of the population completely unemployed. We mm-hmm. just are doing more more, maybe more fulfilling things, maybe they're doing something else that are more creative in nature. You know, if you don't have to answer an uh, angry customer's call, I I would say that's the, a good thing. <laughs>
0: that's a good <laughs> thing. Calls. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. You know? um,
1: yeah. so, so I think uh, there are some positive benefits to come out of that, but there will be pain along the way.
0: Yeah. And, and I believe this is where if we take the care and we take an approach that, as you mentioned, is human-centered, and that's what I fundamentally believe in, we need to treat people like that they were, you know, active and contributing members to, to, to the business. And I think there is, there is some sense of, uh, uh you know, care that we should be taking. For me, it's just, it's just, it's part of how I, you know, was, was brought up. And that's part of my DNA and I've been involved in, you know, restructuring work in the past and it's sometimes you can't avoid it, but there's a way of doing it with dignity and respect for people. And there's a way of doing it also so that there's potentially a bridge to other opportunities. And so, I think, as you mentioned, Sri, there's a ton now of learning management systems and opportunities where people can get a lot of just-in-time learning to support kind of a new skill set and maybe potentially a new role. So what I'd like to see is a lot more leveraging that. We implemented things like that in my past CRHRO jobs in a couple of places because we knew that if you can do training, right, that no matter how good you are in the training is, people will eventually not be able to remember or recall specific knowledge sets or or you know you know task sequences until they see a problem and then when we started developing was kind of just in time tutorials where you can look you know get a drop down menu look at the issue that you're addressing if you're kind of in a in a technology enabled kind of business and you can get some guidance on how to tackle that issue so if we think about what we can do to better jobs i think that's going to be a better approach in the long term because i believe there's going to be there's going to be better better adoption, and there's going to be much more positivity. Because as you mentioned, Sri, every company has to have people, right? And so we're all part of this process. And, and the approach in, you know, in Europe is a little bit different, it looks like anyway, because there seem to be a bit of ahead of the curve on the social impact. But we should also pay attention to the similar sort of ideas and look and see how we can infuse some of that into the way we're going to make change happen in, in the future here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So the last thing I want to address real quick is change management. Yes, um, there obviously requires a, a big motion in change management. Correct. So what advice would you give HR leaders as they're looking to, look, you know, start really assessing the impact of these changes that are staring at us right now?
0: Yeah, good, really good question, and it's one where um, I think a lot, uh, I think a lot about this issue because no matter how many times you've done it, things are always a little bit different in different companies and culture and depending what era I went. But my principled approach is one, you try to get an understanding of what the impact's going to be across a company or across an organization. Then you start to drill down, You know how is that going to relate to you know whether it's a function or operations, supply chain, whatever the functions are, and then start to have conversations with leaders in those areas of what is the universe of possibility in the short term, and then, in the longer term, you can start to play that out later on. But ultimately, what you learn through that process, uh, HR can then start to develop a narrative around how the company will embark on this journey, this journey of you know, of modernization, of this journey of really building out its capabilities. And that is, I think, a narrative that if you if you get the principles right up front, for example, that you're going to do whatever you can to minimize you know potential job loss. You're going to do whatever you can to get people in a position where they can either upskill, get trained and transition. If you have those kind of principles set out? I think that becomes part of your narrative. I believe it's really incumbent to start the conversation. I think you cannot uh, be sort of planning and then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, day two or day four, you decide this is the plan and we're going to execute it. It doesn't work like that. And I've been enough involved in change and business transformations that you got to bring people and you have to meet people where they're at and then you have to have a really open airing of, of of issues and then providing providing the opportunity for people to give you feedback and to give you some kind of some kind of uh, you know ideas about what they're experiencing and then as a team of leaders with hr hopefully navigating that and start to understand how we can better the next step and the next step after that but my for change management for me it's one you got to understand where you're going to go if you have a vision it's great but I think people are going to want to know automatically what's that that going to do for me or how's it going to relate to me? And I think if you don't have the answer, I think you should be honest. I think leaders should be honest to say, we don't quite know yet. We're going to try to figure this out and we're going to bring you along with us on this journey of learning and seeing what the possibilities are. And I think you need to have that front and center in pretty much the kind of the weekly, monthly, quarterly check-ins and conversations. And this is where I really encourage leaders to always be in front of their people. And I really encourage, you know, HR professionals and leaders to support managers on the front line so that they can effectively not only not only message and, and also provide details, but also to hear people out, to bring the feedback. And I think the more open we are with that, I would say the better. But I would, you know, my, my caution is, you know, if you, if you have, if you have like, you know, a, you know, an 18-month plan, be prepared that things will change as you go along and be prepared to have conversations about what you're learning and how to maybe not only maybe, but bringing those kind of elements in of what you learned into what your change is going to look like over, over the course of, over the course of the next, you know, 12 or 14 months or whatever that, you know, that kind of change window is going to be, but ultimately on the change management and sure you've probably been involved in a lot of these yourself. If you can be as honest as you can, if you can be frank with people and you can be direct, I think that seems to be the best approach. And for me, uh, there are things that we often do in whatever leadership positions we're in. They're not always going to be the most popular thing, but we can do them with care and consideration, and I think that goes a long way.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, with that. You know, <laughs> we'll conclude this podcast. That's, that was a really, really interesting discussion,
0: Tony. Uh, where can people uh, reach you and get in touch? With you? Um, I mean, we have we have obviously a website. We also have a, a page on LinkedIn. Uh, and they can look there, and they can reach out to me on LinkedIn, uh, Tony Sheeta, There's not very many of them, but my company is uh, with our founder. We decided to uh, have a name that was really about what 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 brings good energy, and for us, it's focus. So that's why we call ourselves Refocus. Really, if companies can really do that well, I think they'll they will have they will have a winning shot. And so they can reach out anytime to us on LinkedIn, and we're all obviously trying to also bring people along on our team that are gonna help this kind of journey forward as well. So we're kind of at the early stages of trying to formulate a game plan because some companies have already asked, you know, how, do I, how do I deploy you know, different, different parts of maybe of an AI platform? And so that I'm really happy that clients are reaching out to us for that. And so uh, that, that's something that to me, I think is really, really you know, responsible, but also really part of the learning for us because I don't have all the answers. It's early days, but I think the more we can share, the better it is. And by all means, anyone can reach out to me through LinkedIn and I'd be happy to respond to any questions and uh, obviously engage in conversation because this is the way we learn.
1: Excellent. Well, thanks. thanks a lot, Tony. It's been a pleasure talking with you.
0: Perfect. Thank you,
1: Sri. Shri Chalapa here. Thank you so much for listening to the People Strategy Leaders podcast. If you are a successful leader or a people strategist who would like to be on this program, please visit engagedly.com slash People Strategy Leaders podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag PeopleStrategyLeaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Sri Chalapa. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. And thank you to Patrick Ramsey, sound engineer at Kalinga Production Studios, for recording and mixing this show.